This is the Mortgage Solutions Podcast. Catch up with the latest news on our website at mortgagesolutions.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Mortgage Solutions Podcast sponsored by Skipton Intermediaries. I'm Lana Clements, News Editor at Mortgage Solutions, and today I'm joined by Simon Tipton, Intermediary Strategy Manager at Skipton, Jane Benjamin, Director of Mortgages at Sesame Bank Hall Group, and Adrian McDiarmid, Head of Mortgage Lender Relations at Barrett. So today we are going to be looking at the new build sector in 2021, um, some of the challenges affecting the market and how we as an industry might navigate through this. So Simon, perhaps you can give us some insight into how you as a lender view the outlook for new build over the coming months. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Lorna. Um, yeah, from from a lender point of view, um, there's, there's obvious challenges um, that, that have taken place during the course of the last uh, six months or so in, in the current uh, climate that we're in. So we've seen uh, a huge amount of challenges um, operationally initially in terms of reacting um, uh, to the, the economic climate uh, and everything going on uh, and the impact um, from colleagues. Um, and then I suppose the, the next steps in looking forward uh, and the challenges, um, the biggest ones from a lender perspective are going to be around the, the the risk side of it and the in the economic climate so we've got um the furlough scheme and um, which has been extended further so from a from a lender perspective we're going to be uh unsure of our our losses uh the unemployment uh, is not going to peak until um you know back end of, of next year um probably now uh, and we've like you say we've got a kind of a perfect storm arriving uh, in terms of um, the end of March, in terms of help to buy uh, for home movers um, ending and changing for the first time buyer, uh, in terms of the price caps, and we've got the end of stamp duty. So we lend at the moment. It's 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 really busy, you know, and um, I'm sure kind of Jane and, and Adrian might share some of their views in terms of the current climate. But but there are there are challenges um, ahead. The the loan to values potentially being being one of them where we're not uh, as an industry uh, at the loan to values where we were pre-crisis um, and we've got you know the upcoming changes for for help to buy um at the end of march so there, there is there is challenges that, that are faced in the market um from that perspective as well. Okay, so Jane, if I come to you and perhaps you can address some of those points, are you worried about the changing help to buy scheme and the end of the stamp duty holiday and how it might affect new build uh, going forward? Okay, thanks, Lana. And I hope everybody listening is safe and well after the year we've all had. Um, So yeah, I mean, Simon touched on a perfect storm there. Um, and we're definitely sort of in, in sort of choppy seas at the moment, Lana. But one thing that is absolutely apparent is that um, brokers are great swimmers. <laughs> so, um, you know, with regards to resilience, um, knowledge um, and value of advisor, the advisor is sort of at the heart of everything to make sure that we align and collaborate both with builders, with lenders, and to make sure that the customer is, is properly briefed on, on the challenges that we're all facing at the moment, especially in the new build sector, which is such sort of a high pressure sector anyway. Um, 
So you talked about Ender help to um, the current help to buy scheme and the stamp duty holiday, all of these things, um, lack of loan, high loan to values. Um, all of those things will provide a challenge. Um, there's different sort of challenges, really. Firstly, around product availability. Um, so at the moment, brokers um, have got the, the issue that they haven't got solutions available to them that they would usually have in the higher loan to value space, because no lenders are actually back at this point in time lending at 90, 95% loan to value in the new build space. Um, so there's lots of customers who are probably ready and waiting, but with no lending solutions to give you an idea. Um, this time last year, there was around 38 lenders in the high loan to value new build space around 90% loan to value or above. Um, now there's one <laughs> and that is one tiny building society for first time buyers only doing joint borrower sole proprietor. So that gives you a bit of a feel for the market we're in at, at the moment with regards to high loan to value stuff. We all know the reasons why and, and the constraints the lenders have got. Um, and they were really working very hard to try and support first time buyers and get back into that space. Um, also, brokers may not go be able to go to their normal go-to lender because of reduced criteria um, around furlough and affordability. So, so there's lots of different things with regards to product availability. And then you come to the big hit, which is your deadline pressure. So this is all about capacity issues. So currently, lenders have got delays. Um, because of sort of capacity with, with the staff working at home, etc. And that might mean that they cannot meet the builder's 28-day exchange, which is huge pressure for the customer and the broker and the builder. So you and the lender, to be fair, nobody wants to be in this position. You've then got the next point that you mentioned, which is about help to buy coming to an end. Um, movers will require help to buy. Um you know, there's no high loan to value solutions, but they may not fit on the new scheme because that will only be for first time buyer, um, first time buyers. So you, we're up against the deadline of the 15th of December to get any cases in on the existing help to buy scheme. Um, so that's another pressure. And, the, and one more pressure, I guess I'll talk about. And that's the supply chain pressure um, with delays, which Adrian will probably be able to touch on more than me. Um, but you've got the whole supply chain. So it, whether it be lender, whether it be valuer, whether it be um, conveyancer, whether it be land reg delays, um, whether it be materials for the build or, or de developer challenges. So there's all these different things that are being thrown into to the mix. Um, so, yeah, it, it's tough, but I am um, realistically optimistic because brokers always find a solution. Customers need a solution. And the collaboration that we're seeing in the mortgage market and the new build sector at the moment is stronger than I ever, ever seen it. So that all sort of um, makes me feel really optimistic about the future um, we've just got a few choppy waves before we get to um, the end of March that's all okay thanks for that Jane some really great uh, points that you raised there and I love the analogy about brokers being great swimmers through choppy waters um, 
So Adrian, perhaps if you can give the builder insight um, onto the challenges that you are seeing at the moment and the outlook. So, yeah, I think the first thing to to acknowledge, Lana, is that we're in a very different sort of lockdown to to that of March. Um, You know, back then, I think of about six and a half thousand directly employed staff. We'd furloughed around five thousand eight hundred. So pretty much pressed pause almost entirely. Um, So we, we shut down an entire business and then opened it back up again. Um, in the in the lead up to the market reopening in May, uh, now uh, you know we're pretty lucky that the housing industry is is broadly unaffected by current lockdown. We're we're still seeing customers in our sales office in a uh, what we believe is a COVID safe environment. Uh, we're we're selling, we're we're building, and uh, we're buying land. So pretty much do everything that we're supposed to be doing, and, and largely unaffected. Um, and I think that's you know, nobody would have picked if you'd have described a global pandemic to somebody this time last year. I don't think anybody would have picked the levels of demand we're experiencing now. So I think very positively, we're seeing the underlying strength of the UK housing market. Uh, Our customers desire to buy a home to live in, uh, irrespective of the state of the market and and economic headwinds that we may be coming into next year. Uh, It's clear that the, the undersupply of housing across the UK and um, UK population's desire to own their own home uh, is still very, very much to the fore. So, so that, that underpins uh, a lot of what we're doing at the moment. Uh, moving forward, uh, clearly the, the, the perfect storm that's been described of, of the ending of help to buy or tapering of help to buy more accurately, um, the ending of the stamp duty holiday and the unwinding of pent up demand. And it's very difficult to split those out, I think, into w- w- which particular aspect is having an impact on demand. Uh, but all those are going to be coming to an end over the next few months. Uh, and, you know, we have to respond to that because uh, clearly without help to buy and without stamp duty conversion of interested customers to 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 buyers becomes more challenging. In terms of the loan to value, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's not a problem we've, we haven't always had. So as the secondhand market's been adversely affected by restricted loan to values, actually there's a number of lenders who have always been at 85% on houses and 80% on flats. Um, so low um, loan to value in the new build space is res- more restricted than it was. We're, we're less badly affected in some ways than the secondhand market. Um, and you know, I think we have to work harder next year alongside our brokers. So acknowledge your point, Jane, that that you know brokers are good swimmers, but I think they might have to learn a different stroke uh, to continue the analogy. Uh, so so a lot of them have been surviving on on shared equity and help to buy probably since two thousand and five. It's been underpinning the new build market, and we're beginning to move to a space. And, and we're very much looking on a twenty twenty three horizon because all the land that we're buying now, uh, most of it will not be completing till post 2023. So this isn't just about the tapering next year of help to buy, it's about the ending in 2023. And I think we have to find a way of engaging with different customer segments in a different way, with different financial products. And that that may well require a different set of skill sets from brokers. Yes, I agree with you there. I was um, actually reading today a little bit about the um, changed help to buy scheme coming up. And um, it said that um, under the current scheme, around 83% of users are first time buyers. So in theory, just under 20% of the market will be lost. So perhaps there will still be a significant support from the scheme going forward. Can I caveat that? 
uh, Lana, just just yeah. saying. I mean, one, there, there are areas of the country that are going to be more adversely affected by the price caps. So, uh, you know, for example, the, the, the northeast, which off the top of my head, uh, it's about 180,000. Um, you know, there are areas in Yorkshire where the price cap is restricted, but actually property prices in York and Harrogate well outstrip that price cap. So I think the price caps will have a significant effect. I also think that the uh, what, what's an unknown is is we will be working on the new scheme under a much stricter definition of first time buyer. So I think currently a first time buyer for us is who somebody who, who tells us they're a first time buyer when they come into the sales office. So it's their perception because. Uh, you know, they may have owned a property previously in a previous relationship, but regard themselves because they're unencumbered as a first time buyer. Uh, the new scheme will be run under the definition, uh, the HMRC definition, which is, is broadly that, you know, they, they haven't owned a property anywhere in the world before ever or been party to any form of Sharia finance. Um, so um, I, I think the 80 plus percent is probably uh, a little a bit of a red her herring and we think there'll be a probably a greater impact than that indicates. Okay, thank you. That's interesting to know. Okay, well, perhaps we can um, just turn the discussion now to thinking about some of the solutions and the way in which the market might be able to move forward. Um, some of the schemes perhaps in place or products um, that we could make more use of. So shared ownership and jo joint borrower, sole proprietor and... Um, how they might be able to assist the new build market. Simon, do you just want to perhaps give some thoughts uh, from a lender's point on those those areas of the market going forward? Uh, yeah, thanks, Lauren. I'm just frantically trying to think of a, a swimming analogy, so I'm not I'm not left out, but I might have to come, come back to that one. So, um, but in terms of just going back to a couple of points that, that Jane and, and uh, Adrian made, Jane used the word collaboration. Um, and I'd 100% agree with that. So from um, from kind of a lender perspective and in an industry, I think that it's it's as vital as as any time now that we work closely together and, and present company included. Um, you know, from Skipton's point of view, that that's really what we're focusing on. I think the relationship we've got with Jane and her team and and the conversation rather in Radrian, we all need to be kind of open, transparent, and, and honest. Um, because none of us probably have the, the silver bullet um, or, or the or the answers to a lot of questions of what what's going to be upcoming. So the, the collaboration is 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 really key. And Adrian touched upon kind of the skill set of, of advisors. I mean, I this morning I've been frantically looking at Skipton's policy to understand, you know, so I don't get um, asked a curveball about kind of what changes we've made recently. And and that that's me who's working for a lender. Um, a customer has got, got without working in financial services got next to to, to no chance. Um, so the, the brokers have really, you know, and fair play, the, the resilience they've shown and um, how the market's reacted over the last um, few months has been brilliant and, and testament to, to the, the market on that. But that, that's got to continue. You know, the value of advice is going to be as, as powerful as ever. Um, and then going back to in terms of some of those solutions, I um, uh, you know, you touched upon two shared ownership. Um, you know, being one at Skipton, we've we've supported the new build market. Um, you know, for a long time, we see it as a key aspect of of kind of our ethos and what and what we're about into in, in terms of supporting home ownership, uh, and that will continue. We launched shared ownership just over two years ago at ninety percent. Um, 
we liked what we we saw in terms of um, the, the customer and, and the commercials um, are are helped to buy business. Um, the announcements that came from that, we we, we needed to kind of re- replace as such. So we went to kind of ninety five percent last year, and kind of pre pandemic, it was um, uh, you know again we were. Um, you know, really happy in terms of supporting the shared ownership at, at 95%. Um, we're currently at 85%. You know, the million dollar question of when we'll, we'll, we'll go back up up the curve. Um, we've touched upon some of the challenges faced earlier. You know, I, I don't know what that, that date will be uh, and when, but certainly um, we certainly will we'll get there. And I, I do believe that will be a growth area um, next year and beyond. Um, for for the new build market, uh, joint borrower sole proprietor again is another area that we've um, we launched around twelve months ago, just over. Um, and to be honest, it, it was it was slow progress, early doors. Um, we, you know, uh, again, um, Sesame Bank all supported us in terms of getting the broker feedback, and that being an area of market that was under under serviced. Um, at the moment, we're seeing a, a, an uptick in it. You know, we've we've seen a lot of um, in the press around Bank of Mum and Dad, um, but for joint borrower sole proprietor, it's an education piece for us. I think we, we need to educate the the brokers, and again, working collaboratively in terms of, of them understanding the product and the availability for intern and then to relay that to the customers, um, and that's something we're really keen to keep keep doing and promoting um, through our. BDMs and field BDMs and telephone BDMs in terms of the webinar programs that we've had recently. So both of those areas will be um, will, will continue to support and also any other, um, whether it be government schemes, we've always supported, um, you know, the schemes that have come to support home ownership and will continue to, to, to do so. Um, and we'll also be kind of ears to the ground and, and engaging in conversations about any other innovative um, Solutions, as Adrian referred to, that that, that come um, to the market because we're ultimately based on on feedback from from our brokers and key stakeholders such as Adrian. So we'll, we'll work with them on, on kind of any initiatives and, and take that to the relevant people at Skipton um, for any any solutions going forward. Jane, how do you feel about some of the points that Simon has raised there? Do you feel as though brokers need more understanding and? Um, education around joint borrower sole proprietor and how it might play out in the market um over 2021 yeah thanks lana and simon yes if you need any more support with development sesame bank or group will definitely step in there and help you again um, i'll be knocking on your door <laughs> yeah thank you for that um yeah so i think in answer to the question with regards to communication yeah it's really important to to communicate whether it's um, for our Sesame and PMS members or whether it be for other distributors doing the same um, to support their members in the market. There's some, before I touch on the um, the joint borrower sole proprietor and shared ownership piece, Lana, it might be for any brokers listening that, that may or may not be aware, Adrian's talked about the regional price caps on the new scheme, but also the new scheme is a completely new scheme. So the um, existing scheme cannot be rolled over. So the 15th of December, the existing scheme stops. The new scheme, it has new forms, a new system. The customer will need to complete the application. 
Um, at the moment, brokers can do that. So there's potentially room for error um, because the broker, you know, obviously the customer will be doing that for themselves. Um, SVG, we've seen the main prototype. I'm sure Adrian has and others have um, the new prototype. So, yeah, there's there's sort of lots of change and lots of room for error. So a message to brokers is please make sure that you are aware of that and back to right first time to sort of mitigate any delays that there could properly be from error within the, the, the manual process. But um, on top of the help to buy scheme, um, shared ownership and joint borrower sole proprietor, thank you, Skipton, are definitely part of the solution, absolutely. Um, but it isn't a new solution. So shared ownership's been around for about 40 years now. And it is, it's definitely a growing market. And there's more and more lenders looking at solutions to help first-time buyers. Um, obviously, not as big as help to buy. And it's going to take a number of schemes from a lot of lenders and probably government intervention, no doubt, to be able to satisfy the demand. Um, so the government have also hinted at first mortgage scheme, They've hinted at um, a MIG scheme. Um, there's no details yet. Um, they're calling Generation Buy, um, and it's going to be sort of a 95% scheme with government taking some of the risk from the lender. But again, it's all in the detail, which hasn't been released yet. So um, I think it's all back to communication, the collaboration thing again. Let's try and fill the gaps, um, support our builder partners, support our lender partners. Um, and, you know, with the broker being key to this, then uh, the value of the broker has never been more important, especially to make sure that this important area of the market keeps moving um, effectively and efficiently. OK, thank you for that. Um, so, Adrian, I just wanted to touch on collaboration um, within the market um, from your point of view. Obviously, um, your um, job role is to um, uh, strengthen relationships with lenders and um, help the market move forward. Do you agree that uh, collaboration is at, is at a high point at the moment, or do you think that um, there's um, you know a much more room to grow in this area as an industry? Uh, wow, that's a question because I mean it's a sort of twelve year journey for me. I think I've been with Barrett's for twelve years now, and and if you look back to then in in the wake of the um, financial crisis uh, you know talk, talking to lenders about new build risk wasn't the easiest conversation in the world so 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 you know I have to say I was pretty friendless yeah. um, and um, you know if you roll that forward to today you know clearly levels of engagement between house builders brokers um, lenders and um, you know people like Jane in networks um, is immeasurably improved I, I, th I think there's always more to do um, so I think going back to 2008, there was a lot of work between HBF, our sort of home builders trade body, and, uh, well, CML at the time, um, to, to look at areas which of conflict and try to find solutions. And I think as the market improved, um, probably we let those dialogues go. Um, and I think uh, now we're probably suffering from that because there are areas, as we've discussed, moving into next year where closer collaboration between all those parties would be really important. So, um, yeah, al always more to do. And, and I think I think joint borrower sole proprietors is a really good case in point, because if you look at 
you know, the market and you know, legal and generals research, I think, going back to last year that, that shows the size of that market. Um, so clearly it's an opportunity if, if government aren't going to support the market with help to buy cash moving forward, then uh, one solution for that is, is sort of parental or relative cash. Um, but, you know, despite the fact we've known it's coming two years on, we're still talking about joint borrower sole proprietor, which is hardly snappy. Um, and hardly a great way, I don't think, to engage with customers as to what the opportunity really is and what the benefits are. And I think from a broker perspective, uh, you know, if you're starting to talk about parental involvement, you know, that, that presumably involves some sort of pension advice, some sort of knowledge of inheritance tax as to how they can mitigate that sort of liability. And I'm not sure that, um, you know, we're, we're ready as house builders to decide how to communicate with those sector and what message we're telling them. And I'm not sure the brokers are in a position to offer the appropriate advice um, or that the lenders have necessarily got their products right in, in, in this sector. So the opportunity to collaborate together to, to bring this sort of opportunity to life to customers to enable them to buy, I think is a massive one. Simon, what do you think about some of the points that Adrian's raised there um, in relation to educating consumers um and also i just wanted to, uh, to bring in the idea of green mortgages for the new build sector and um sustainability and cost savings for um buyers and borrowers in this area and how you think that might play out um over the coming year yeah um a green green mortgage is quite um topical at the moment there's been a uh, some recent research that Imler have, have, have released um, and I noticed kind of one or two um, <clears throat> there's a, certainly a couple of lenders that have um, released green mortgages uh, into in, in the headline at, at, at least uh, and sustainability is is um, you know it's huge we read it in the in the in the national news global news um it's a it's an area which is at the forefront of the probably the whole industry um in in a lot of respects but probably like referring to kind of what adrian referred to in um we're talking about being collaborative in in a positive way but there's more to be done i think there's more that we can do as an industry in terms of green mortgages and true green mortgages um sustainability is is very high on the list at, at skipton it's something that um that i'm personally really passionate about so it's something that i would like to drive forward um both internally at, at skipton uh, next year in terms of green mortgages and, and upskilling the from an education piece internally to be able to influence and support that market and, and the, the end consumer. So, yeah, there's work work to do. I would say um, the true cost, I, I, in my personal opinion, is uh, or true benefit should be in the affordability from a customer perspective of having a, an energy efficient home. I'm not sure how sustainable longer term, you know, offering preferential rates from a lender might be but it's certainly you know a credit that that it's uh, being highlighted um and and uh, some kind of innovation in, in that area i think there's certainly a lot more as a industry we can do uh, to such an important and subject and it's something i'd like to personally drive um forward from skipton's point of view next year um, and beyond 
Jane, and from the broker perspective, um, do you think that they are seeing demand there for these types of green mortgages or perhaps there's more education needed and could brokers be the key aspect in helping bring a bring about that extra information on this part of the market? Thanks, Lorna. I don't think it's really education. I mean, this year um, with COVID and, and everything that's gone on, one thing that we have seen globally is the acceleration of sort of social responsibility and, and people wanting to do the right thing about lots of different things that are going on in the world. Um, and sort of the planet and green is, is one of those things, eco. Um, in my mind, at what cost? And Simon mentioned the word cost benefit, and that, and it's all about that to get it kick started. I guess. I mean, um, eco true energy efficiency properties will cost more at the moment, as, as anything new would be when it comes to market. It will cost more. So it's about onboarding the customer right from the start on that sort of with regards to mindset and social responsibility and also the benefit. So right down to when they first start thinking about what sort of property do I want to buy? How do I want to live? What are the benefits? And am I prepared to pay the extra? Because let's face it, in order to do that, it may be, it may or may not be, Adrian may um be able to give some more meat on the bones for it but it could be in the short term a property an eco green property could cost an extra 20 to 30 grand more maybe maybe not um and it will depend on different developers some small medium um sized developers may have different strategies to the larger developers um so it's first of all it's about the understanding on the site and the builders wanting to build um and then it goes on to the lender incentives so Simon touched about mortgage rate versus affordability what is the great gain how long will it take for that financial gain to roll into the customer's pocket and what again back to what is important to the customer you've then got the surveyor constraints and the RICS guidance as in they haven't got any comparisons. So when a surveyor is looking to value a site for a lender or a property for lender, where's the tipping point? How do they do that to give the lender the the, the guidance and the, um, the 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 comfort that actually that is a good risk, a good risk to take by lending them the, the money on that on that home um, with regards to resaleability. Um, one thing that are uh, I am sort of aware of is that by 2050, new homes ambition is to be zero carbon. Um, and by 2025, which is only in a blink of an eye, it's all about renewable electricity. So it's there seems to be a lot of change and thought process, which is brilliant, but it needs a whole chain to be part of that. And then when you chuck in modern methods of, in, um, of construction and increase in that, modular housing, um, all of these things will help with green. Um, but there isn't really a lender. I mean, Barclays have dipped their toe in with a differential rate for a panel of builders if the EPC certificate is a B, but that's really currently it. So, again, it's back to the whole collaboration and how on earth do we get this whole thing moving at a rate 
to make it work effectively for our sector and our customers. Okay, Adrian, um, from a, the builder's point of view, do you see um, much demand for energy efficient homes? And how is that playing out in terms of what you are going to be building for the future? And perhaps you could just um, spread that a bit wider and, and explain um, any kind of shifts that are happening within the types of homes that you are building. Um, going forward i think just to take a step back i mean if even in the last couple of days the government have announced that, that they're sort of bringing forward the date when they want to get rid of petrol and diesel cars so you know this is has significant government priority i, I think also interestingly it has a significant uh, priority from our investors as a plc so an increasing amount of 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 significant investors you know right the way up to sort of BlackRock, who who have got trillions of pounds under management are demanding that the companies that they're investing in have a strategy for sustainability so that that you know their investment will play out over the long term in a, in an era of sort of global warming uh, so it, it it's a massive plc priority for us in order to to address these concerns um and um I, I think that the level of engagement with lenders has has really only begun so i think i think jane referred to and, and simon to a couple of discounts off uh, a market rate for an A or B rated property, which we think is a fantastic start. Uh, but actually, this is much bigger and broader than that. So uh, hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll know the outcome of uh, the government's future home standards. And given their track record, for example, on bringing forward um, sort of getting rid of uh, petrol and diesel cars in, in terms of new sales, uh, you know, we expect our targets to be at the upper end of expectations for us to drive the zero carbon and energy efficient agenda. So what's going to happen is that the disparity and the diversity between new and second hand will just get wider. Uh, so it will be increasingly cheaper and more energy efficient to own a new home rather than a second hand home. It'll probably become more expensive to upgrade a second hand home so it meets current modern day uh, standards. Uh, so we think we absolutely have to engage in a much closer dialogue with lenders and, and valuers so that they understand what we're doing to address those, what the inherent benefits um, and energy efficiencies are in the product that we're building. Um, and yeah, I mean, I saw the IMLO report, um, Simon, and, and I think it's great that they invested the time and, 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 and energy into commissioning the report and starting to think about it, which is a really good sign. But I, th I think what it does show is that we're right at the beginning of a journey that is um, you know, beginning to accelerate in terms of its importance. Um, and, and ultimately, I agree that um, factoring affordability into um, factoring energy efficiency into the assessment affordability will be the game changer because that will mean that every time a mortgage advisor speaks to any customer in answer to the question, you know, how much can I borrow? one of the factors they'll take into account. It won't just be income or overtime or, um, you know, existing commitments. It'll be the nature of the property they're buying. Uh, and that will ultimately be, uh, I think, the real game changer. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to go into the collaborative efforts and, and education and understanding of people of what this means uh, before we can arrive at that. So we've very much got a five-year horizon 
in terms of you know driving these these changes and and, and i think we need lenders to come with us because it is uh, big money that will drive changes thanks adrian some really interesting points raised there and there's so many elements to the new build market it feels like we could just talk about all the various different areas all day but um i'm going to wrap it up there and say thank you to simon jane and adrian for joining me today um, and thank you to Skipton for sponsoring this podcast. I really hope listeners will take something away from this discussion. Thank you. Remember to get the latest episodes of the Mortgage Solutions podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.